All right, welcome to Number Ones, the podcast where we review the most popular pop culture in America every week. I am Hoff Matthews, recording in Brooklyn, New York, on the phone with Ryan Sarder, who's in Los Angeles. Hello. But a bit of a different thing this week. I actually have someone in the room with me here in New York. It's YC, digital producer of Jesus and Mara. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. Also got a plug. Uh, yeah, I should have gone over the whole thing. I'm, I'm like, I like Jesus and Mero, but I'm a huge No Losses fan. <laughs> no Losses, that. Only Lessons, YC's <laughs> clothing company, lifestyle brand. Appreciate that, man. Hell yeah. You know we're going to bring the plugs for you. <laughs> nice. Um, and I also, I want to know uh, for our listeners, this is the first time that because I, I said this already, that we have somebody in the room in addition to just me and Ryan on the phone. So me and YC are hearing our own voices on like a time delay in our headphones, and it's very surreal and sort of uh, unsettling. So if, if we sound kind of frightened or distracted while we record this, that's why. Because we, we keep it keeps feeling like we're interrupting ourselves, right? That's sort of what the sensation is like. Yeah, it's like you're yeah. waiting for yourself to finish. Right. Um, so and just I'm everybody quietly- uh, be aware of that. I'm trying to quietly eat yogurt. So Dude, you can't eat. You cannot. It's going to go bad. This, what, what you he keeps trying to eat look while like recording the pod. <laughs> All right. I'll just I'll put it in the fridge or no, it's it's fine. I also don't notice when Ryan is trying to talk over me because our voices are too similar. So I think it's just the echo of my own voice and I keep talking over him. So I apologize <laughs> to you, Ryan, for that. If that happens, you're like, am I eating yogurt? <laughs> so what, have I, what have I become? <laughs> All right, and anyway, uh, this week what we're going to be talking about is the film Us, the album Death Race for Love by Juice World, and an episode of the show NCIS. And spoiler alert in advance for all of those things. So obviously, especially if you haven't seen the movie Us, be aware that we may talk about the ending and such. So let's start with Us. Uh, This is the number one movie for the weekend of March 23rd, Saturday, March 23rd. And uh, we're recording on Sunday, so final numbers aren't in yet, but we're looking at an estimated weekend gross of $70 million, which is uh, apparently a lot more than even people were expecting for this film. It's doing uh, really well. It's almost twice as much as people expected. The the low end was saying like $40 million. Yeah, which, I don't know, I feel like people should have known that this would happen. I mean, Get Out was like much bigger than anyone expected that to be so I, I don't know why this couldn't have been foreseen but it's doing really well what else even opened this week i feel like it was gonna do huge numbers just based on that oh for yeah, sure yeah else opened, uh, i mean uh wide against it yeah i think the biggest competition was just if captain marvel was gonna be number yeah. one for a third week right. um but yeah this was the only big new release and um, uh yeah, yeah so would you guys oh yeah do you want to say what it it's hard to explain the plot, but I guess you could try. Oh, we should. Yeah. yeah. So basically, uh, there's a family on vacation, I guess, in the Santa Cruz area, like a summer vacation. Um, parents played by uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. And there's like a, a teenage daughter and a young son. And one night, this family shows up and breaks into their house and sort of holds them hostage. And the family looks exactly like them like there's a corresponding person for each member of the family um and so they're trying to like fight these people and survive and things kind of spiral out from there i feel like there's like a term for this kind of genre of horror movie it's like um how do i explain it? it's almost like a home invasion like um funny games that yeah, kind of thing strangers yeah. yeah it's definitely in that uh in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I would describe it as that. It's kind of like a home invasion, like defend your home turf type horror movie, suspense movie. Right. Wait, so why like, did you did you like it? Twist. Honestly, it didn't leave much of an impression. It didn't leave much of an impression either way. Mm-hmm. And there I go trailing off because I'm trying to like <laughs> I'm trying to let my sentence finish because I can hear myself interrupting. Bear with us, folks. Yeah. So Ryan, yeah, you I, were saying you and I are going to argue with this for some reason. Oh yeah, right? what did you did you, did you like it, Matt? Huh? I did like it. Um, I it gets very big and weird in like the final third in a way that 
I, I don't know if it entirely works, but I respect that he went for it. I, I think it's really... I enjoyed it. I think it's an interesting movie. I think it... Get Out was as popular as it was because it just, like, hit its tone so perfectly. Just, like, the balance of the, the horror and the uh, the comedy aspects. It was just, like, so sure-footed in every aspect. And I think this isn't quite so much. Um, but I, I did like it. Yeah, did you I, feel I, like I, the stakes weren't clear enough? Is that what you're going to say? No. See, okay. I knew. All I right. was like, I got to come I don't know you as well as I thought you I saw yeah. it Thursday and Friday okay. night. And I got the Chud reference, okay? So, <laughs> first of all, I don't want to hear about, oh, did you know it's Chud? I get the Chud yeah. stuff. Um, but I did think that the central problem was that it had two central weird things going on. And I feel mm-hmm. like a, a, a movie can only have one kind of like central weird thing. Like in Get Out, it was weird that the white family was cutting out black people's brains. But it wasn't even that weird. It was like, oh, yeah, I could see... A white family doing that sure with us i the two weird things were i didn't understand why everybody was living underground i've never heard of this it's not something that's like oh yeah you know and how everybody lives underground and they're like waiting i never <laughs> heard of that and the second weird thing was that they seem to like arbitrarily decide to rise up on this certain day like wasn't this like a regular summer home like it sounded like they had been to this summer home in the past um, yeah, it did. Right, it is implied that they had been there before for like Winston. Yeah, so why this weekend? And and so like those are my two issues. But I will say the film, even after having seen it twice, it's really stuck in my craw, and I'm thinking about seeing it again. Is that on your side? You guys are getting that is yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> sorry York everybody. City, this is just right. Exactly. You're getting the uh, the People authentic die vibe. In New York. The area Not in L.A. We don't right, die here. No, <laughs> live forever. Yeah, green juice. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird it was a weird movie. It just I kinda feel you on far as far as like there's a couple different weird things happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the mythology of this like idea of like your shadow is like living this weird parallel opposite life underground and then the subways, the un- abandoned or like uninhabited subway tunnels. It was, I feel like it was a lot of mashed together mythology, I guess. Yeah, I think it... Oh, no, go ahead. It it created this really big mythology that it took very seriously, where Get Out Strength was sort of that it it only ever took itself as seriously as it really needed to. Well, I feel like Get Out, and I've said this, I think, on the podcast before about Get Out, is like such a great film because it works on different levels and you can take it on whatever level you want to. So if you mm-hmm. want to just read it as like a straight horror film, you can do that. If you want to notice the comedic elements, you can do that too. Or there's even deeper levels about race and, and class and society structure. And each of those are available to you. But I feel like with us, you actually really can't get the film unless you're looking for these deeper levels, you know, like you can't ignore um, when she says like, we are Americans. Like that's yeah, it's so it weird. So weird. I don't even, and I still don't know what it means. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. We it was like Americans. a class thing. I literally, after I went and saw it with someone, I was like, all right, I'm going to go see this anyway. Might as well see it together. And we got like a drink afterward and we both sat there. We were just saying like, so what was that movie about? <laughs> Kind of, like, aside from the horror and, like, the straight horror film or, like, suspense or even... I think it reads even better as an action movie more than a horror movie, um, for me at yeah. least. Um, but we were kind of like, was this supposed to be a, like, class or the Americans thing or, like... I don't know. It was... It wasn't as straightforward as Get Out or maybe it wasn't as, like, executed as well. But... It was fine. I don't know. It didn't leave much of an impression, which kind of is disappointing, I think. I wanted to have a stronger reaction, good or bad, to it. It kind of was fine. It wasn't particularly frightening. I'm not a big horror movie guy anyway, so it's not a big deal. But it didn't leave much of an impression either way. Yeah, you got to defend it, Matt. What did you you like about it? Um, Well, I I guess... 
in a way that's similar to Get Out, I thought it was, like, as scary as it needed to be. Like, I agree it wasn't, like, super scary. Right. I thought there were, like, a lot of, like, creepy um, mm-hmm. and, and fairly suspenseful parts. Um, so I, I thought it, it worked on that level, even if it wasn't, like, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Or right. They didn't need to take it to an extreme length. You're right about that, I would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, like, just in terms of, like, what it means, it is... A little hard to parse, which to some extent I kind of respect because I feel like Jordan Peele could have sort of taken the model he established without and said, like, all right, here's my horror movie that's clearly about immigration. And now here's my horror movie that's clearly about LGBTQ issues or whatever. And then there would have been people who would have just been like, oh, these are really good because they're saying things we agree with. Um, And he made something that was harder to wrap your head around uh, in that sense, which I think is... Uh, admirable in, in the sense that it's uh, a risk that he's taking. But don't um, you think that, that like, okay, so like somebody who, a film that this has been compared to is The Shining. You know, it's like, oh, it's Jordan Peele's The Shining. And I feel like the thing about Stanley Kubrick is he'll, like, his mouth is covered. Like, you don't know anything that he thinks about anything. Like his, I don't know, it's 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 very much, anything that you say about The Shining is you projecting that onto the movie. Whereas Jordan Peele, I think, I, uh, friend of the podcast otter charles otter holmes pointed me to an interview with jordan peele where he sort of admitted he said you know yeah people people look for or the the interviewer asked him it was for for the ringer podcast uh sean fennessy asked him do you kind of like like to put these meaning and these little easter eggs and things like that in it for the viewers because that's kind of what they expect now and he was like yeah like that's kind of how i make movies now and this very much feels like a Jordan Peele movie where like everybody seems like they're aware that they're in a Jordan Peele movie and that it's it's not a, it would have been one thing if he had I agree with YC like really great action scenes like the pacing is really nice but I feel like it was this thing where he's like making a movie for the audience like this one's for my fans and it just felt very like affected in a way and um I just think if the movie was a bit more subtle, like I, I agree, I don't, I don't need it to point to exactly what its meaning is, but he leaves enough little drops around that it could be about twenty-five different things, and he sort of wants to have his cake and eat it too by saying this is different than Get Out. It's not an obvious thing, but it could be about a lot of different stuff, and it, I think it would have been more effective if it was just kind of like a straight movie, and then uh, it's weird enough that these people underground come up. <laughs> You don't need anything else. Like it doesn't need to be any weirder. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been reading letterboxed reviews uh, of this movie from I think a lot of people I follow who tend to review horror films and stuff, and a lot of people have been saying, which I agree with, that this is not really in a <coughs> Stanley Kubrick mold. It's more like something you'd see from Wes Craven or George Romero, like uh, American horror filmmakers who would tend to have kind of messages that they were trying to put in their films and wouldn't be sort of as uh, coldly focused on style as Stanley Kubrick might be, which is not, you know, a better or worse proposition. It's just, like, different approaches. What does um, the Hands Across America thing mean? What was that about? <laughs> I don't know exactly. I mean, I think I think we all agree that uh, Jordan Peele with this film has abandoned race-based identity politics and uh, realized that a focus on class is uh, the only true vector to liberation. I think we can all agree on uh, that interpretation of the film. <laughs> um, anything I mean, more what, specific than that? Isn't he kind of that? also... Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, anything more specific than that, it gets muddier. I mean, you can look at the, the Hands Across Humanity thing as sort of related to class and the idea of an underclass because they established in the beginning of the movie that it's about feeding the hungry and everything, but... It's also just visually an echo of the idea of doubles because it's like the the people being you know cut out of paper and like that that mm. string of identical people. But yeah, I, I don't know if you can pick out a really clear meaning of it. It's a cool image. It's funny when you talked about earlier about horror movies that have more of a message versus more about implementing a style. I felt like it was more style than message to me. Hmm. Um, I thought even the hands across America, the hands across America thing was like more just a reference to the time in which, as a little girl, she was in the. I guess she was wearing the hands across America t shirt. I think yes. So I think it was more. Well, I mean, obviously it has other meanings, which you guys allude to just now. But I also think it's like more of an issue of 
like placing the time and nostalgia of it you know yeah that's definitely part of it too and i mean honestly i kind of winced on that opening shot where it was like the tv with the rubik's cube and like the yeah. chud vhs tape and yeah stuff. it was it's like, like all right we bit. had enough of the 80s i get at this it point, yeah please. it was like it was like stranger things again yeah. again again <laughs> um you always, but I, I, I like, like the every rest of the episode you got to hate on Stranger Things, Hoff. Sure. I mean, why not? You know, I've never even seen it and I hate it. So there you go. And you're better <laughs> I've off. Never, I saw like half of the first episode. I was like, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I suffered through. I've seen all of it so far. I still don't like it. So, so there's that. We have the same opinion. I, I you will say I do. much of your time. I do agree with YC. I do think that the best reading of this film for me is it, it reminded me a lot of the Darren Aronofsky film Mother. In that it's just got a lot of weird stuff going on and it's very like stylistically interesting I like the way it's shot and filmed but when mm-hmm. I I saw it mother before and then and I liked it and then I read in the press it's like oh it's about the environment it's about mother earth and I was like that doesn't work at all like I think any <laughs> kind of reading of us that's like this is about it's about how uh you know people in Trump's America like don't punch a Nazi look at yourself to see if you're bad you know like that doesn't really fly for me you know like I I, I think like the best way to read this as just like a wackadoodle weird movie and if you look for meaning i don't think it i don't think there's anything and interesting I haven't, I haven't read anything about it either but you know that people are going to write it in terms of trying to ascribe those messages to it you know because it's jordan peele because because he is who he is because of get out because he's black all those things like the writing's gonna be like oh this was a trenchant commentary on class and Blah, 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 blah. But I think he's just kind of almost establishing like a style of filmmaking for himself. I don't know. I looked at it that way and I enjoy it better without trying to ascribe too much meaning to it. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the comparison of like George Romero, like like imagine if Night of the Living Dead, it's, it's not about these zombies who come up and fight people. It's about these zombies who have been living underground for thousands of years and they eat rabbits, but there's no blood in the cages. <laughs> And, you know, don't re- remember Michael Jackson's thriller was really popular still in 1986. It's like too much. It's way Very too much. Strange. Right. Well, that's what's difficult about it is that it has all these specific sort of cultural markers that lead you to a reading based in social commentary. It doesn't feel like just a film that takes place in any town at any time. You know, right. it, it seems very specific in certain ways. Um, also, where was it filmed? It was supposed to be California, but it looked like Cape cod to me yeah that's true i don't know exactly yeah right look like a cabin in maine or something yeah exactly it looked very northeast but i think it was supposed to be california right because it was around santa cruz i guess right um i mean i i don't think yeah I, i as you were sort of saying before i don't think you can entirely look at it without taking into account the idea of social commentary being in there but i think it is what's the commentary though I think it's about a sort of uh, middle slash upper class fear of an underclass finally like rising up against you and taking revenge on you for, you know, letting yourself become soft and being, you know, callous towards the problems of the world that aren't affecting you. And I think it's a very general sort of commentary and that that's why it's easy for people to start reading it into these sort that of would- specific ideas that aren't necessarily what Peel was specifically talking about. But that, um, but okay, but even but if, I think if that's that what is, it's playing on. If that was the message, then it totally, it totally goes against that <sighs> with that last moment, with that final moment where it's like, oh no, like if the people rising up from underground, they're actually rich people, you know, like and and they they're in disguise, like the 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 flop at the end, kind of like it would work as a as a message if they didn't have that twist at the end, which kind of I don't get put, the twist. It didn't make sense, and well, I don't know what it adds. Well, I was gonna say the ending didn't really seem to add much except that it was like an element of like, Ooh, like, you know, this end ending on this unsettling note, but I don't know how much we want to talk about in detail, but I feel like that also, yeah, I know we can, I guess, but uh, (laughs) I, I feel like that also how, how far into the movie did you kind of arrive at the ending or did you arrive at the ending at the end? I think the possibility of that, sort of ending had occurred to me maybe even before I saw the movie just because right. whenever you have a doppelganger type thing that You're would like, seem to be oh they're going to pull a switcheroo one. or whatever um, it's specifically that ending it didn't occur to me until they like 
until the reveal at the very I beginning. think that it occurred to me when she enters the classroom at the end and there's this big you know she's at the chalkboard explaining mm-hmm. what's happening and they have that they have that kind of weird shot of like the close up of the red suited doppelganger at the right. board and and Lupita's in the background the split field diopter looking yeah, shot yeah exactly i don't like that shot i don't like that i love shot. split field diopter that's my favorite thing that's so funny because yeah i think it's definitely a very a very stylistic like look at this shot and you could react to yep. it a little bit different like you could love it or hate it but at that moment when she was kind of expounding like you know the uh exposition of like what was happening or the whole plan and like what they were doing i was like oh shit like she's the little girl like i was like that's the moment when i was like they swapped like Mm -hmm. that was the moment right but i my point is is that like i feel like someone could be watching the movie and very early into it when they show her getting lost in the fun house or whatever if you if you sniffed out the ending early, how does that affect how you view the movie? Like, cause like I said, it didn't really add much to me. And I think you said the same thing, but also for some people that might've been like the big thing that they got from the movie, the twist. Right. So, you know, well, the ideal for something like that is that everybody sees the twist and is like, I got to see this movie a second time, like with a sixth sense. And then you just double your gross. Yeah. I but exce- they're going to get that. But except that I feel like in this case, it didn't really have, a bunch of signs where you should have seen that coming and it's no. not it didn't have all these details that really mattered it's just like what would happen if anyone swapped places at that early point in their life did you did you catch the ending at all ryan or did you see it at the very end no i did not see it coming i have learned from doing this podcast that you can't trick Hoff. like he'll he sees every <laughs> ending coming so i didn't even yeah okay. didn't even phase me i don't think that's true but but thank you for saying it I will say though, I refuse. I reject the idea that this movie has to be read with meaning. If I, I'm gonna make a remake of Get Out, but I'm gonna take out everybody's brains and I'm gonna make it so that when they watch us, they don't see meaning in it. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> one way to put it. See, this is a fundamental difference between your perspective and mine. Is that I think all stories have meaning, and you're a nihilist. <laughs> why? Why does? But why do you have to? Why do you have to see meaning in us? Why can't you just not? I think that's the uh, fundamental underlying purpose of the act of storytelling in general. No, what but I'm saying, he, I'm saying he can he can try to do it. Like you can try to put the meaning, but yeah. if I don't get the meaning, if if I don't receive it, um, how I've still seen the movie, right? Well, right. I mean, it might just be a bad movie. I don't think it. You know, I think it's a flawed movie, but I don't think it's a movie that is uh, so bad that it renders itself meaningless. Yeah, what would you say, YC? Is it where do you fall? Because Hoff says like that the reason to tell stories is to like you know kind of like lecture people about you know like the economic. I feel like you're putting issue. a that's, that's spin. You're sort of misrepresenting me here, but <laughs> and I think it's like about oh this is a good story you know like or like a chill vibe or like a, a nice aesthetic. Like where do you fall on that? In in general, about storytelling or about this movie in particular. Generally, in general, let's go for the I big do, swing. Do you too. like who do you like, me or Hoff? That's the kind. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right, the exactly. Question. Which of well, us do you like more? Well, I won't. I won't weigh in on that. Okay, but smart. I think that. I guess I think all stories. I think all storytelling tells us something. Hell yeah! But the significance of like what that is, some of those messages are very grave, and some of them are less so. Yes, I think that's how I feel about it, and maybe you guys are on the same spectrum, are different spectrums of the same idea. Where Hoff is maybe saying, "Oh, this is a more uh, grave message that it's telling," and you're saying it's just telling you a lighter message. Yeah, and I guess sounding like you're agreeing with me. (laughs) Well, 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 but I would say, well, here's here's the distinction: is that. I think the issue for me is that I think the audience should be able to get whatever type of meaning that they want, you know, but I think so that not like the Hoff, filmmaker's meaning necessarily. Yeah. And like Hoff is like, no, season four of the wire is, 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 you know, saying that we need to make schools better. And I'm like, schools Which are fine. You know, I mean, that's one of the things it's saying. We don't, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the audience brings its own experiences to the story and that can have an effect on, the sort of thoughts and ideas it brings out in you, but I think a story has just certain raw materials and usually has a certain intent um, in and of itself. I love how I've just gone like full Joe Rogan. I'm just like trying to become like the (laughs) controversial. (laughs) 
yeah we're gonna really make some people mad on this but we're gonna be on twitter it's like hoff matthews thinks that all stories must have inherent meaning he is canceled <laughs> you want to move on to juice world Sure, I just, uh, I also wanted to know, I noticed in the credits of Us, because I was staying through just to see if they would do anything weird uh, at the very end, which they did not. You thought there'd um, be like a tat, like <laughs> Nick Fury. Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Oh, wow. The Tethered are joining the uh, the MCU. Uh, no, I just wanted to note that uh, I saw the assistant marine coordinator for this movie was John Arbuckle. So everybody thinks he's this nerd who only hangs out with Garfield, but no, he's out here doing assistant marine coordinating for. Uh, <laughs> it has Jordan to be Peele. a different John Arbuckle. I don't think so. John Q Arbuckle. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know John had a last name in Garfield. Yeah, it's Arbuckle. Is that like canon? Is that like in the? I'm yes, sure, in the yeah. comic, he says everyone like, hey, knows John this. Arbuckle. This is CK common knowledge, as my old history teacher used to say. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, but we can move on unless anybody else has anything else they want to say about uh, about us. No, I, no, I, I, well, I, I will true. say I, I do cool. think Jordan Peele is like very talented, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does next. I hope he just tries to do one thing instead of twelve. You know, mm-hmm. fair enough. I sometimes like it when filmmakers try to do twelve things. Yeah, I know. Um, but I see what you're saying. All right, so let's talk about music. Let's talk about specifically. Juice World, the rapper Juice World, Juice W R L D, and his new album Death Race for Love, which was number one on the Billboard charts the week of March twenty third. Do you know how many copies were sold? I think it was over like two thousand. Okay, yeah, because we've covered uh, a, uh, a boogie with the hoodie albums before, which have sold like triple digit <coughs> copies uh, of actual like album sales as opposed to streams but you you say this one was a little bit more than that right this one was at least over 2000 the yeah juice world was 823 uh, a boogie units what's that a boogie was not juice world y- yeah sorry a boogie was 823 right. like itunes you like buy the whole album as opposed to streaming right so juice world is um Fair to describe him as sort of a uh, emo SoundCloud style rapper. I would say that's accurate in yes. my opinion. Thank you. Um, it's Avril Lavigne, Avril like Blink One. I mean, honestly, right, right. A lot of this, his vocals sound like Mark Hoppus or uh, or Tom DeLonge from Blink One Eighty Two. It's like that sort of tone uh, to his singing. Um, but it's interesting because. I don't know. To me, like, a lot of the lyrical subject matter is, like, the same stuff from a lot of, uh, you know, poppy sort of emo songs, pop punk type stuff, where it's like he's mad about, you know, this girl doesn't want to be with him or is with somebody else or whatever, but it's filtered through a rap lens. So he's like, oh, you don't want to be with me. I'm going to do a drive-by on your new boyfriend or something. Um, even though it's, it's, I don't know, it's sort of the same kind of mentality. Um do we know how old Juice World is? That's a good question. I, I think that's that my fundamental issue with him, to be <laughs> honest. I think I try to be charitable about music and everything. I think it's just he's probably too young for me to really get into. I will say I thought the first half of the album was sort of like the first few songs I thought was like really lightweight. and But I, I definitely think his music should be considered in more of like a pop context. Like the people I was thinking of was somebody like, wilson phillips or something like that um but i felt like he he was sort of like lacking in the kind of gravitas of like the best sort of like rapping singing like he's no future or he's not even like a little baby or gonna um but then later some of the later songs i thought reminded me of like yeah like avril lavigne blink 182 um or even like a fiona apple my chemical romance like a lot of like cool emo vibes his rapping isn't like the best. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I read his music, well, first of all, the way the he had a really huge hit song a while ago called Lucid Dreams. And it was just basically what you guys discuss. It's like a basically like an emo like ballad about like an ex girlfriend. But all of his music kind of is about the same subject matter, the same kind of imagery, the same kind of like lyrics in my opinion. And, um, and then he had that album. He had a weird uh, collab album with Future, uh, World on Drugs. And 
that was kind of actually pretty good listenable i'm a big future fan but it was pretty good musically i thought in some ways but the issue with him is that like everything he's clearly like on these like emo like influences and he grew up on that kind of music and that's kind of like what he's making but it's very he doesn't really he doesn't really um what's the word i'm looking for he doesn't really like change it into anything or like make it his own in any sort of way it just seems like he's recycling these same kind of like emo tropes it's very like incel music in my opinion <laughs> well yes <laughs> i mean that's the thing what it reminded me most of was uh Extentacion. it has that that guy's sort of Ugh. mix of like you know guitars and like sort of emo screamo rock with more like rap kind of elements but in a way that's kind of more rounded down and less harsh right i just i just feel like he he makes the kind of music where like five years from now he's gonna be really embarrassed about it <laughs> Like, no, seriously, it's just the kind of thing where it's just like you write when you were like 14 and you write really bad poetry and like you look at it like a year later and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, yeah, it's just I, it's really bad. It, honestly, I'm going to tell you, I didn't finish the album. <laughs> well, it's very long. <laughs> yes. It's 22 okay, tracks. I, I'm going to confess now. I, I, I skipped through like five minutes towards you the end of the You motherfuckers. This is all I ask of the people on me this podcast. Okay. You just consume the media. I tried to listen to the album <laughs> on like three or four different occasions since Ryan asked me to be on. And I would listen to it on the way to the movie theater yes- yesterday. And it was... He has a song called on this album called He Motions. Yeah, that's a H- great title. He Motions. Like not to his credit, a song called He Motions. He Motions. Yes. And this is the point at which I was like, you know what? I think I have enough material to discuss this <laughs> album and I don't need to listen to it anymore. The chorus is He Motions. I wrote this down. Uh-huh. He He Motions, Muddy He Motions, Back on My Bullshit, Devil Emoji. And that's when I turned off my phone. Fu- there I, are No, there are some lyrical gems on this. Oh, there are some this real was not one potent of them. quotables here. Uh uh, black hole in place of my soul um, took my demons to the bank of life I wrote that one down that's pretty good um, uh, but you know, he, he, he's, uh, he's talking about why he, you know, he has all these problems and he says uh, on the song uh, fast but it's okay because I'm rich psych I'm still sad as a bitch oh that's my god <laughs> I should have stuck around for that I kind of like that yeah, one right <laughs> listen I, I will say I didn't know this was going to be my role today, but I am here to save Juice World <laughs> from oh, you guys. Yeah. I I feel like listen, this is music for twelve year olds. Like this is this is and he oh, is twenty for... years old, by the way. I looked it up. That's Which makes his sense. actual age. Yeah, like there are some great. I I don't know why we need to choose. I don't know why he needs to do something different. Like in the in the early two thousands, you had Taking Back Sunday, Newfound Glory. Um, saves the day brand new canceled um but you know like there were a lot of different artists doing similar things and i think there are some classic lines i think like a classic lyric on this album is uh on the song robbery i really loved uh she told me put your heart in the bag and nobody gets hurt like that's great that's a great emo <laughs> I can't. line no no it's horrible <laughs> no you see i didn't but i also i also will say i didn't grow up on like emo music or whatever so i don't have like the same amount of affection or nostalgia for it. So there's a little bit of that in how I read Juice World's music. That's, yeah, this is the thing. You say five years from now, Juice World is going to be embarrassed by this stuff, but five years from now, Ryan is going to be doing these songs at karaoke. <laughs> That's the difference. I don't know. I, mean, like, I-, I think about him, like, this is a little bit off topic, but I think about an artist like I Love McConan, right? Mm-hmm. I could see a lot of I Love McConan songs being on like Light FM 10 years from now or 15 years from now. Like Hell it's yeah. a, like a weird, almost sound cloudy, like rap, whatever. But a lot of his music, I feel like translates to like when you're like, you know, in middle age or like you're in your fifties, you'd be like, Oh, I remember McConan, you know, back when I was a whippersnapper, like <laughs> Out on I the feel porch like in your rocking chair, yeah. McConan comes on your, uh, your radio. That you I got feel on the like it might there. age well. <laughs> this will not age. This will age like yogurt. The yogurt that Ryan was eating <laughs> like earlier. The yogurt that I want to eat right now. <laughs> yeah. Before it goes bad. This album was going bad before my ears when I was listening to it. It was like uh, overripe banana. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I did feel like one thing that was sort of jarring is um is that there would have these like songs that were like very emotional and just about like how, you know, like he's having a hard time with women and then it would transition to something about like uh 
guns and money and drugs and stuff like that and i was just like it just felt like maybe this would have been a good album <laughs> this is like a good scorpion you know like let's do let's do a double album the juice world double album you know like because I, I feel like they're the the sequencing of the album i didn't i wasn't a fan of well i think the problem with his music fundamentally for me aside from the tw- tw- 12 problems i laid out prior <laughs> um is when we talk about like the things that he talks about, he talks about, you know, like drugs and like, you know, problems with women and relationships and being sad. And like, these are all things that people make music about. I'm a huge Future fan, I already mentioned. And that's essentially what Future's music is about. And Future's like 35 or 36 years old. But when you listen to a Future album, it sounds very honest. It sounds very like, even if it is even if it is a little bit artifice or whatever, it sounds very honest. Like the things that he says sound like him, or it sounds like things that you can relate to juice world. Sounds like he's just kind of like throwing like a bunch of like sad words and like images into like this blender and just being like, I really want you to know that I'm sad. (laughs) Like he really wants you to know that he's sad so badly. Yeah. He's sad as a bitch. He's still rich. Psych. Sad as a bitch. (laughs) But he really wants it. It's just so try hard that like it doesn't read as like honest and like the way it's not the subject matter. I don't think though he clearly has some problems with women, uh, some serious problems that he should probably see a therapist and not make these albums. <laughs> but that aside, I feel like it just doesn't come across as honest. It comes across as very like I'm 12 years old and I want you to know that I'm very upset that I am grounded. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one thing we can all agree on: very cool cover art. Oh right? yeah, the great like death race, yeah, yeah. homage, the old '80s post, more Stranger Things vibes. <laughs> well, all, but like you know, like a like a PlayStation game adaptation of yeah, like, like something. Oh that's yeah, solid. yeah, 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 yeah. I would buy that, that game. Twisted Metal, something Twisted like Metal, yeah, or like yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Warsy looking mm-hmm. poster. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It looked like a it looked like a cross between a PlayStation cover and a lunchbox. Yeah. I will say, which I think is appropriate to the level of maturity that uh, the album is offering. So it's also accurate. Yeah, I I will say though to to bring it back to future, like future, I think is like our Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Like future is just like (laughs) I I should know you were going to bring this take. (laughs) This is my take. (laughs) And 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 I feel like it's. I feel like we should. It can't be both ways. It can't be both things. It can't be. Oh my God, Juice World is saying the most embarrassing stuff. And he's disingenuous. Like, I think he really means what he's saying. And if it is embarrassing, it's just like, just because he's young and... Well, my problem is I do think it's both. <laughs> I think that he... I think it's it's really embarrassing. And I think it's disingenuous in terms that he thinks he's writing this very, like, deep right. emotional music. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write this thing. And it's like this really deep, dark poetry. And it's actually really shit. And really embarrassing. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's both. I absolutely I, think it's well. I mean, I think he might be. I think he absolutely has problems with women. There are a lot of very casual uh, death threats in the lyrics here. It's right? very it just bad. Seems like, oh, you it's, broke up with me, so I'm going to have I'm to murder you. Now. Have That's to, how it goes. He kind of yeah. did that on the Future album too, and I didn't really listen to it because I was too enthralled by like the production and like Future. And then he'd like just casually be like, "I'm going to kill you because you broke my heart." And I'm like, yeah. "Whoa, hey, all right, hey, <laughs> Another, sir, uh, this is a Wendy's." <laughs> It's another yeah, uh, extentacion influence of his, I think. One thing that um, that has has happened in the in the wake of you know like like how I, I feel like as a culture we're becoming more uh, uh, aware of the fact that like women are human beings. You know what I mean? Like that that they're not just like <laughs> that's you know, a hot take. <laughs> that's my right. that's my hot take of the day. It, but it, but it's this thing where. <laughs> Where you, you listen to some of these old emo songs where these guys are like, I'm so depressed and I'm going to kill myself because you don't love me. Like, you think of, like, what is it like for the woman who's the subject of that song? Oh, wild abusive. Yeah. yeah and it's just, like, insane that, that women, like, would be put through this thing where they're, like, at a bar and they have to listen to this song. And it feels so threatening, especially because men can be, like, physically, you know, overpowering. And it's it does feel like a threat. And, and yeah, with, like, somebody like Juice World continuing that trend... It's like, uh, yeah, like, it, I don't know. It, it is very problematic in that way. Yeah, and abusive, yeah. And I don't think it's like, even though I think those problems remain problems regardless, I don't think the music 
transcends them very much. Like, Future is a very problematic artist in some ways, in ways that I think we accept as far as him being, like, a famous rap superstar who's a dirtbag. Like, he's he's a known dirtbag. Um, but we accept that, because I think that's kind of in the realm of, like, what you expect from a celebrity. But with Juice World, I feel like it's very juvenile and right. also, like, bad in the way that you just described, which is, like... A, a tough thing, but I think it's also because he's so strongly influenced, or he's, or the uncharitable take is that he's borrowing or stealing so heavily from this like emo music scene that like, of course, his music is about threatening to kill some ex girlfriend. Like, of course, it is. That's what that's what all those songs were about. We just were younger when we were listening to them. You know? I mean, yeah. But, I mean, I think yeah. it kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier. The people will potentially accept like darker or more problematic or whatever material if the artist seems aware that that's how you're receiving it and of the sort of feelings it's going to bring up in people whereas this it's i don't know it all just feels kind of jokey or casual right right it's the difference between like uh if you leave me i'll kill you and like if you leave me, I'll sew your asshole shut and keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. <laughs> like that's just a, it's a strange that a lyric? tone. Wu Tang classic. That was one of my yeah. first tapes that I owned as a kid. Yeah, man. Very oh, terrific. Wow. Torture. Yeah. The um, I, I will say though, like, do you think a big part of it is that like it's not that Sierra is any less terrified when she hears a future song come on? It's just we love future so much, we're like less concerned with. <laughs> You're saying we here. Yeah. <laughs> you can speak, you speak for yourself on this. But, but I mean, I don't think you see. And again, this could just be me being an apologist. But I don't think it's the same thing with Future and like a Sierra in the sense that his music isn't so much about like him threatening her so much as him being like, you know, I loved you, but like I wasn't gonna stop cheating because I'm a superstar. Or like I loved yeah, you, really but that, right, that's a different. It's thing a different vibe. Or like violence. I love you, but also you're just like like any of the other women I've been with. I've been with millions of women. You know what I mean? His isn't so directly like you should die for like breaking my heart. It's more right. that like, and that's almost why it's. I feel like it's a little more mature in the sense of like. You can go through a relationship as an adult and you could be in the wrong the whole way. You could have been the person that broke it off. And somehow you still make the other person the villain in your own mind. And you know you're doing that. That's what I think Future does. Juice World is like earnestly thinks that everyone who's wronged him is the real villain and they all deserve to die. Because that's a right. very 12 year old emotion. Yeah. And it's also right. weird, it's like if like, you. Oh, no, go ahead. It's, it's like if you listen to the Eminem song Kim and we're like. Yeah, fuck her. You, you know, like it's right. Yeah, I mean, but bringing it back to bringing it back to Kim, and I think I've mentioned this anecdote on the podcast before. Also, is um, you know, she he had a concert that she was going to where he, she said, you know, I know you do that thing where you take the blow up doll of me right. out and stab it. I would appreciate if you didn't do that tonight. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then she went to the concert and he did that during Kim and like stabbed this blow up doll. And then she went out and tried to kill herself that night. So she's what that that's a crazy story. Also, why was she at this concert? <laughs> no, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just genuinely well, like she a big at fan, the time, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. So I don't yeah, know. I, I will also say work. A, a lyric like like future would never have a lyric like she told me to put put your heart in the bag and nobody gets hurt. And also that a lyric like that does point to like. Like a woman that that's about is like I've never said that I never said that to Jesus. <laughs> like Future's type of his relationships lyrics are like I was fucking on a slut, but I was thinking about you. Like that's Future. Like that's classic. Like throwaway. Like this song is clearly about Sierra. Like that's Future's vibe. Future's vibe is like I'm a rich scumbag in like a five star hotel. I'm at, like there are three women in the bed, and I'm like thinking about you, but I'm still gonna fuck all these girls. I mean, this has to be the episode title, right? Future feminist icon. I think that's <laughs> canceled. Everyone's canceled. <laughs> Last episode of this podcast. Um. Well, yeah, I'm good on Juice World. I don't. I think I've yeah, given up, and I will go say. back to to cap that point that someone was saying is that he makes music for like 10 year olds or something. Yeah. Murderous 10 year olds. Yeah. My nephew is how old is he going to be this year? He's going to be 10 next week. 
and he knows every word to Lucid Dreams, this huge like Juice World song that's like on pop radio in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's I remember he was singing it in the car and I was there with him and my father, his grandfather, and my my dad turns to me, he was like, These lyrics are kind of embarrassing <laughs> to, to, to this nine year old kid. And he's like he's like, I don't care. Like he knows every word. But it really is. It's just like it's it's music for nine year olds to memorize and think it's like really cool. But in fairness, did that song help that nine year old to maybe get over a tough breakup he was going through? God, I hope not. I hope it <laughs> I hope he didn't register what any of his music is about because yeah. he's gonna need to he's gonna need some help. I mean, I will also say to bring it all the way around that we are now the old guys who are telling the young kids, like, don't listen to this music. Like, you, you kids in your damn not. rock and roll. I will say Juice World aesthetically has a good vibe. Like, the production on the yeah. album's really good. He, the melodies are really good. Like, I usually like music, which is guys, like, singing over this kind of stuff. So I'll say that he has the musical part, actually, which is maybe the most important part. He has the music part down. It's just that if you listen to it with any level of, like... If you listen to it with registering what words he's saying a little bit too closely, it's impossible for me to enjoy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like this album is not for me, and it is very immature in a lot of ways, but I didn't really dislike it. I thought it was fine to listen to. I'm not anti-Death Race for Love. Yeah, I'm pro-Death Race for Love. I just got to be on the record. With that. I'm going to say I'm anti. I made it through track four, so <laughs> okay, clearly right. I'm you anti. you couldn't listen to the whole thing, I don't think you can claim to be Wait, pro. Wait, I feel like it really gets good. Genuinely, it really gets good at, like, track five. I'm never going to find out. I'm just telling you right now. There's too much music coming out every day for me to waste another minute on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hoff. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with... I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick and choose from now on. I didn't know this was an option. No, this is, no, no, no. YC is our guest. He can pick and... G- you know, I don't expect him to have to suffer through absolutely... Absolutely everything. Yeah, I don't have to take this from you, Ryan. You're host. I'm just co-host. I'm only a co-host. Yeah. All right, let's do NCIS, right? <laughs> let's do it. All right, so we are moving on to TV, and the most watched TV show from last week was NCIS season 16, episode 16, <laughs> Bears and Cubs from Tuesday, March 19th at 8 p.m., and it had 8 million viewers. And uh, to answer a question you asked when we were off-air YC, yes, we do watch a lot of NCIS for this project. This show's been a number (laughs) one show, it feels like, forever now, and I don't get it. No one gets it. A lot of people get it. Eight Eight million million people got it. Yeah, eight million. That seems like a low... It is actually a little bit low. coming direct, it's like 14 mil. Let me just double-check that. You're right, because let me me make sure I didn't uh, fuck that up. Nobody gives a shit, but let's just tell them anyways. Fucking NCIS. Because I think Big Bang Theory was probably in a rerun this week, which is probably why it was NCIS. What season is Big Bang Theory on? 12, I believe. Jesus Christ. But it's ending this season. All right. Swan song. (laughs) Wait, NCIS is ending this season? Why did I get really sad? Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. No, well, NCIS has got another 20 years of Mark <laughs> Harmon left. That dude looks like shit now, by the way. I haven't what seen is that NCIS. Hairstyle? Yo, I haven't seen NCIS in a long time. And not like I was watching this, but you know, you. I'm one of those people that has cable. So I flip through the TV once in a while. And I've always had cable as a kid, like whatever. I've always had live TV. And you flip through, and sometimes NCIS would be a. Yeah, and you just watch it or whatever. So I haven't seen it in like probably several years, and he is aging very badly. Like no disrespect, <laughs> His, he has weird lips, right? Mark Harmon's lips look kind of odd to me. It's like they're overly made up, or I don't know what it is. I just remember watching this episode and being like, "Holy shit, this dude got old in a hurry!" And then you realize it's been on sixteen seasons, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, right." Yeah, I do sort of feel like we should put a moratorium on criticizing the looks of uh, aging network TV show actors. I, I think like if they're men, they're fair game. Fear is judgmental. No, no, this guy, I don't know. no Mark Harmon, he's privileged. got money. He doesn't. He walked into his barber and he said, give me the Pee Wee Herman. Like, you know, that I think if you're a rich happen. white guy, you can, you can get it. 
Okay, well, yeah. if, if we're doing that, I want to also point out that Larry Miller, the guest star here, looks odd, oh my. too. He's not looking so great either. Yo, the dad from 10 yes. Things I Hate About You. Yes, the fucking doorman from Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he looked horrible. He looked he like... kind of like a burn victim. I don't know yeah, exactly what's going on Yeah, it was like his him. hair and on his face. Very stringy. It's just, it's just, he did barely had any hair on his head or face. Yeah. It was very... He looked, I don't know. I, he looked I ill. I will say, I... <laughs> I saw Jerry Seinfeld live at a at a fucking casino in Connecticut five years ago, and Larry Miller opened, nice. and he was pretty good. So I believe it. Oh, I believe it's it. It's not that he was a bad actor. Or there's anything wrong with his performance? Just physically odd. Looking. Everyone is aging very poor, Lance. Yes, except yeah. for well, Robert Wagner, Wilmer, though. Valderrama, in, which was yeah. Well, we should talk about that. Um, but but let's set up what this episode is actually about. This Go was a bit it. of a. Uh, um, a character-driven episode about their young medical examiner yes. who uh, gets drawn into this uh, web of crime sucks. and intrigue. I hate him. Because his, <laughs> they find this uh, body in the woods. A lot of NCIS episodes begin this way, <laughs> with somebody finding woods. a body in the woods, uh, yeah, which has been sort of like clawed up by a bear. Woods to, you yeah. Know, like, <laughs> just watch the woods. Well, it's, it's characters who are in the military. They're very fit. They're out on their runs and walks and stuff. You know, you're going to run into some bodies if you're doing that. Um, but so this body comes in and the, the Emmy is looking at it and his uh, father-in-law played by Larry Miller who I guess has appeared on like one other episode yeah. years ago on the show I looked that up that's true yeah uh, he comes in and he's like I need you to say this was not a murder because um, I was involved I have these gambling debts and I was told to like clean up this guy's death to make it look like an accident so you have to help me so he gets drawn in like covering up the murder but then he has to confess and there there's this like poker game that this Chinese laundry is involved with and um. Yeah, it becomes this whole thing. I yeah, just find poker it very... game. Sorry, go that? for it. Go there for it. <laughs> no one can tell. Is that me talking? Is <laughs> no, this it's Ryan. Ryan say something. Ryan, go for it. Ryan, whatever. Ryan, say something. <clears throat> I feel, I just feel like often in these shows they kind of just gloss over things that would be crimes, like. Like people, <laughs> when the medical examiner lies about, right. you know, that it was a, he lies and to just Gibbs. like, oh, you know, Jethro boys Gibbs. will be boys. Right. Well, this is, I think, a trope that comes up on a lot of like crime procedural shows is like one of the cops needing to cut corners or like go outside the law somehow or something. And there's always a sense of like, you know, maybe, you know, that's wrong, but like they're, a, they're a good guy underneath and they're doing it for the right reasons or whatever. And I feel like that, like, sometimes you read about some sort of police cover-up or corruption or something, and it's like, how do people, like, get it in their heads to do this? How do you, like, live your life this way thinking you're an okay person? But it's it's this. It's you think, like, look, I, you know, I'm going to help out this guy because he's, you know, I know this officer, and he's a good guy, and he made a mistake, and then you've done something to cover up what he did, and now if you don't go further with the cover-up, then you're going to be in trouble, and I think this, you know, on these shows, it always works out for the best because everybody's, this is the good guys and they're doing their best. But in that's count- where that mentality comes from. In a counterintuitive way, that might be the most realistic trope in yeah. crime procedurals. That's is true. that like <laughs> the cops, cops do bad and, shit and then right, they exactly. stick together and they, you know, they cover it up or they uncover the cover up and then they get a slap on the wrist and they keep it moving. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. That's real life. Yeah. <laughs> This is a very gritty show, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, NCIS is hard-hitting stuff. (laughs) Fucking doorman from Seinfeld looking like a peeled grape. Yeah, (laughs) I I like uh, Wilmer Valderrama. I I like his little quips and stuff. (laughs) You like him? Yeah. I like his, like, late-stage career. Now he's, like, a heartthrob for moms. Like, that's, like, what he's doing. That's, like, kind of what you do, though, if you're this guy. Like, that's a great pivot for him. Like, being on NCIS, I'm sure, is a huge career thing for him this i think yeah a, a recurring role on a network tv show is like actor heaven like it's a consistent gig it pays well you don't have to move around a lot that's the dream i, don't know. I will say old... brian yes go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say i will say justice for maria bello like come on like she's an <laughs> yo I don't, yeah they didn't use this her very much bullshit. in this episode it was really bad <laughs> i i i was saying i was like I was watching it. I was like, man, you're on NCIS right now. I remember watching Vigo Mortensen fuck you on a washing machine in <laughs> History of Violence. Like, that's all I could think of when I was there. Like, oh, man, that's so great. But anyway, um, and now you're on NCIS with Wilmer Valderrama yeah. and the corpse of Mark Harmon. And um, 
David McCallum and Robert Wagner, which we should talk about. David McCallum played the old medical examiner who used to be a series regular, is only on the show here and there now. And Robert Wagner plays uh, this recurring character called like Anthony Denozo or something. Mm-hmm. He's been on like thirteen You've seen episodes him before the on the show. Run. He's been on the show before. I don't think I've ever encountered his character. I don't remember. Um, but these are both guys who their acting careers go back to films in the 50s. Right. And they're like character actors who have been in tons and tons of stuff. And it's funny to see how they're treated on the show because whenever... I think I've seen shows on... And maybe I have seen Robert Wagner on NCIS before because I feel like I've seen scenes on this show where it's David McCallum interacting with like other very like old man character actors. And there's always a sense of like, oh, we got these two guys in a room together. We got to like... There's all these... There's all this... Uh, you know, baggage and like gravitas that they come with, and we got to really like treat that with respect and make it this big moment, like mm-hmm. when like David McCallum and Robert Wagner are talking to each other in this episode. And it's because the NCIS audience is so old that they, for one thing, remember these actors yes. from all their earlier films and identify with them as like, ah, oh, these are also you know dignified older people who have uh, made it really far in life and deserve some respect. Dang it! I I agree with that take. That seems. Logical to me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I like that's that. all I, I ask. That's all I want to hear when I when I express an opinion on this podcast. I like that. See, Ryan, you you need to learn from YC here. These mm-hmm. are the nah, sorts nah, of responses that I want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say the uh, I I do become like wild, like weirdly jingoistic when I watch stuff like this, where like everything's like, yeah, this is American, and then I saw that <laughs> yeah. dude come in with like the wild British accent. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah, that dude, and like I guess that was the like even not having watched an episode of NCIS maybe ever in full, that was supposed to be a big emotional thing because it seems right. like he's not going to recur on the show anymore. He's, like, trying to retire, I guess? I guess so. Was the plot I mean, point? he's sort of already retired, but now he just kind of shows up every once in a while. And now he's going to, like, retire for reals, and maybe he's going to get written off the show completely? I guess so. It seems that like seems they were hinting at that. Yeah, I don't think he'll actually go away until that guy dies, which it will probably be pretty soon. So I guess yeah. they're just sort of preparing themselves for that. But I also liked at the end of the episode, again, the plot really doesn't matter, but the end of the episode where they were just kind of like, it was, the joke was like, these old guys are about to go out and fuck. Oh yeah, (laughs) because they're going going to to, dance prom or something, some weird old guy prom, and they're like, carry protection, (laughs) yeah. Well, again, that speaks to the audience, you know, they got their Cialis or whatever, and they want to feel like they still got it. I will say it did seem like David McCallum like was so reluctant. Like he, he clearly doesn't want to lose this paycheck. It felt like when they make the actor quit on like the Truman Show or something like that. Like, it was like the emotions of the character ran through to the person. Like I won't be getting this easy check at once every couple of weeks. They're putting him <laughs> yeah. out to pasture. He has to go to that room from Soylent Green where he just watches stock footage of a field while they put in the needle. I mean, we looked this up last time. Mark Harmon makes like twenty-five million between like twenty-two and twenty-five million dollars a season off this. Mm-hmm. Like, so he probably makes close to he probably makes about a million an episode then. Yeah, because I feel like these shows usually have like a mid twenty twenty-five episode run about that. Yeah, and it's well, he needs a lot of money for, for all those lawsuits when his uh, dog attacks people. He's a vicious dog. Is that a thing? <laughs> we we were talking about this. I think last time we talked on uh, NCIS on the show. The the old. Um, goth forensic scientist or whatever <laughs> oh, she yeah, was, she was she on the was show. She's not on it anymore because that um, that actor left the show seemingly <clears throat> because um, this I don't know. This is the speculation. It's not official, but she had like a big dispute with Mark Harmon because he brought his dog to set and attacked a crew member or something. And uh-huh. so like, and he wanted to keep bringing the dog to set, and she didn't like it. So they got to a point where like she and him never appeared. They were like never on set at the same time. Right. They filmed their scenes all separate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's no way that could be made up. Like that's so specific. <laughs> it's so weird. Right? right. It sounds like it has to be true. Yeah. That's so crazy, too, because I did remember I was like, oh, like they don't have the like quirky goth girl on there anymore. So now this is not they miss that character. It's like, oh, this is what 60 year old people think young people are like. <laughs> like true. they don't have that anymore. I guess they have Wilmer Valderrama true. for that, but it's like a little different vibes. Well, they have the new forensic scientist who's played by uh, Diana Reasonover. OK, um, who is still sort of quirky in a kind of She's kind of nerdy, nerdy grunge sort of way, but it's not quite as clearly defined. Right. I will say, do you think when, so we watched this like maybe like a month ago and um, yeah, it does seem like this thing where you have like the the side character who's the main focus of the show and the main purpose of this seems to be that Mark Harmon only has to say like 10 lines in the whole episode 
do, do you think when the side character like gets the script and it's like oh fuck it's about me like do you think they're excited or are they like jesus i have to you know like I think they are excited. I think they want to believe, like, ooh, finally some uh, some real meaty material for me to chew on. And Maybe you know. this will get me off this show. <laughs> well, I don't think they want to get off the show is the thing. I think huh. they want they want that cushy gig, that, but they also want the respect. You know, they want to feel like they're also real thespians and they're putting in some, uh, you know, communicating some real emotion on this episode hey. of NCIS. I mean, being a working actor on this kind of show is great work. Like, I... You were saying earlier, I got to imagine it's pretty cushy and it's good to be, you know, making a living doing that All at the same time. I'm just, huh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. This is tough. It's tough material. Dude, between this and Juice World, it's been a tough week. <laughs> you, you didn't find a lot of uh, emotional maturity and uh, interesting intellectual themes in Death Race for Love and uh, NCIS? It's it honestly at least it gave you both ends of the generational spectrum <laughs> as far true, as true as far as this is what twelve year olds care about and this is what hundred and twelve year olds care about. Well, that's so. what pop culture is. It's children and it's it's incredibly old people. That's yeah. what most of it appeals to. Apparently, us is like the mid range thing. Yeah, yeah, and then you sure. have us where it's like, all right, do a little bit less. You know, like why does it have to go <laughs> overboard? You know. Us, us could have done with a little more NCIS in in the <laughs> yeah. plot and a little more Juice World stylings. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. This the studio brings in like an NCIS director to like clean up us. Like, oh yeah, I can break this down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, points anybody wants to make about any of this stuff? Oh, I guess yeah. Since you're the first uh, guest on the new iteration, what do you think of the format, uh, YC? Do you think yeah. So Give what we would do in the on past structure. Yeah, like so we're we're trying to do I think number 1 like if we okay, so for example in January I think uh uh a boogie with the hoodie was number 1 3 weeks. Do you think we should discuss that album every time or do you think it should be like the number 1 new album or what do you think? Yeah, I don't think you can get a lot of mileage uh, <laughs> discussing this. If you have to discuss Juice World next week, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get your ca- podcast canceled myself no if but, but if we have to do it next week all that we'll do is ryan will actually listen to the rest of the album and then what there will be that? new stuff discussed yeah someone else will be the guest for sure yeah because i'm not gonna <laughs> hey, come well, back you to won't finish come back. that like, that is the downside yeah yeah but i would say maybe the number one new thing just because well then but then yeah. it gets tricky with television because <clears throat> right i well, mean I what we think... used to do yeah with tv was that my model was rotating through the days of the week. So one we we would do most watch show from Sunday. Next week it would be most watch show from Monday, so that it wouldn't just be NCIS every single week. But right. we changed it, so now it's just the most watched thing from the week overall. Um, that was Ryan's idea, and you can tell us why it's bad. <laughs> I mean, I just think that like you're gonna run into talking about NCIS a lot is the main issue, we, which is fine. We are, yes. Which is fine in some extent, but it's just like how much mileage are you gonna get about describing a new NCIS episode? Because right. I feel like it's just gonna come back to Mark Harmon looks horrible. <laughs> like that's gonna be the like plot line of every episode of this podcast. Yeah. It's gonna end on that note. I feel like. <laughs> well, maybe maybe a good compromise could be because because the one thing is <clears throat> you do want to talk about like the Grammys or the Super Bowl. So maybe we could do rotate days of the week unless it's a big event that's clearly like the number one thing and then we'll just do that. I think you can finesse a little bit at what the number one thing is. I think you can look at it and say, all right, well, this is number one in this way because we want to talk about it. So, See, that's what I don't want, though. I don't want us <laughs> to just be like, oh, let's talk about the new thing on Netflix no, this no, no, week. No, no. Everyone's already I done d- a thousand tweets no, about it. No, I agree with that, though. I don't Thank want you. you to do that necessarily. But I think that, like, if we know NCIS is just going to be the number one thing every week, maybe days of the week or so, it's got to be number one in a legitimate way, but I right. think it's just, it's going to suffer if you're going to end up talking about the same album or same show. The TV one, I think, is the hardest because that doesn't yeah. change very much. Not that much, no. <coughs> I'm glad we If it's the number one out. show, it's a hit show every week, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's the that's the hurdle. I think you have to like examine the TV part. Mm-hmm. The other parts are probably a little more solid. Those like iTunes charts and stuff change around enough. Yeah, um, unless Drake or Adele put out an album, there's a lot of turnover True. for the album. And you know, like Ryan might want to spend five weeks on Drake, though. No, well, he might. That's, what that's I'm true. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that that's why he put these changes in place to prepare for uh, Scorpion Two. Yeah, wait. Right. For the, yeah. Yo, that would be awesome if Drake's next album is Scorpion Two. <laughs> it would so be very funny. <laughs> More Scorpion. Four discs. Yeah. Scorpion fifty track <laughs> mega album. Are we doing the lightning round on this episode? Oh yeah, let me uh, let me pull up. I'm sure I have some. Uh, so, yeah, so we usually yeah, do the lightning, lightning round. round. Is Ryan, um, will have two questions, which we'll just spend a minute on each. And this is stuff that's basically off topic from the actual number one things. But Ryan always wants to talk about some random bullshit. So this is where this is his little release valve for that. Sure. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, why do you think all of these new Democrats in Congress are anti-Semitic? Well, I see. You want to take that one? Our minute starts here. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a tough question. I'm pretty sure, Brian, didn't you ask this last week? Or like yeah, some this is, my, this is an evergreen. <laughs> you just want to fight anti-Semitism every week. Number one uh, identity issue. <laughs> we are anti, anti-Semitism on this podcast, to be anti-anti. clear. So, um, pro-Semitism. We are pro-Semitic here, um, but uh, anti-Semitism is not synonymous with uh, criticism of the state of Israel. Good point. Thank you. Well, how, where do you find the line? Where's the line? I mean, I think criticism of the policies of the government of the state of Israel is legitimate, and, you know, criticism of, you know, Jews generally as a people is is anti-Semitic. This is definitely the only podcast where that statement's been made right after discussing Jews. <laughs> that's that's true. That's that's what you get from number ones, uh, and that's our minute. So that, that's all the time we have for that one. And what's the second uh, lightning round question? Whoa! So I mean, I'm sure you guys have been you know been good. Uh, <laughs> the 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 Mueller Mueller report just came out. Did you guys see? Well, it didn't come out. I mean, they sent it to the Attorney General. Or no, did it just that, come well, out New as York we're Times, recording this? Mueller, M- Mueller finds no Trump-Russia conspiracy. That's the headline on the New York Times right now? Yeah. What do you, what do you think of okay, that? Yeah, what's your question? What, what, what we think of it? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Now he, Trump can get back to the business of uh, making America great again and bringing back the jobs. That sounds... I'm glad we're, we're finally over this hurdle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, great... Great use of taxpayers' money. <laughs> you, know, get, you get what you pay for. <laughs> oh, this is very, very. Ryan, what do you I, think? I, I just really wanted, I wanted the like the headline to be like Trump is being taken away in handcuffs. You know, it would have been like very convenient. Yeah. I think we all knew that wasn't going to be the case somehow. Yeah. But he did stop short of exonerating Trump on uh, obstruction of justice. So Ooh, that's just not yeah, sexy, nice. though. You know. <laughs> Nice. He stopped short of saying he did a bad. He did that. He did not not do a bad thing. You know, I mean, he might have done a bad thing, like hard hitting stuff, Mr. Uh-huh. Mueller. God, that's all this I got. Stinks. Yeah, that was a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's like a wild bummer. Juice World. The world is awful, everyone. Um, yeah. Things are not going to get any better. Um, but at least we know that uh, our president is actually good. We all, you know, yeah. we all had our doubts. We all, you know, we thought maybe he was involved in this Russia thing and it was worth bearing out. We needed to investigate it and find out uh, what the truth was. But now we know that he's innocent and that's great. It's very reassuring. And Yo, if he gets a um, Nobel Peace Prize off of this, I'm going to be pissed. Hey. Trump or Mueller? Either <laughs> yeah. <either>. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're going to share one. Yeah. Yeah. Time people of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, maybe the real death race for love was the Mueller report. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to cap it off. <laughs> All right. Well, YC, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having you me. You're our first guest on this format. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, man. And uh, everybody, Ryan and I will be back next week. Hell yeah. Right. Hopefully to watch NCIS again. Yes. Fingers crossed. I know I said top five, but I'm top two, and I'm not two, and I got one. Thought you had one, but it's not one. Nah.